Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to the Tell Meets Lead podcast. I'm Logan, and here with me today is Andrew, uh, as always. Hey, Andrew, um, did you know that plant lights, if you have them inside your house to grow plants, did you know those can cause cancer? Yes, but you probably have them in your house to grow marijuana that you can smoke to help with the cancer. Oh, that's true. Well, then I just need to get myself some marijuana. I actually bought some plant lights for my plants before really thinking about it. And then they got here, and I was just chilling in the room with the plant light on in the corner. And I was like, huh. I wonder, you know, these are supposed to be UV lights. Does that cause cancer? And then I Googled it, and the answer is yes. They cause You know, um, if you want to buy drugs... Um, there was just a huge drug bust at the University of North Carolina. Uh, multiple fraternities were caught having sold $1.5 million worth of drugs. Yeah, I saw that. Um, but honestly, the biggest takeaway I had from the article was that the UNC is in Orange County. which it is, I, I, it is I in Orange County. I probably knew that, but as soon as I saw that, I was like, the UNC in California, Orange County? What the? Where the <laughs> hell is this? Um, but yeah, no, I was, I saw the drug bust, apparently. Thankfully, ZBT does not appear to be involved, unless I missed no. something. No, it was, I don't even know if we have a chapter in North Carolina right now. Oh, I thought we did. Oh. You know, we did, and then we didn't, and then we did, and then we didn't. They kind of go on and off. Yeah, you know, just kind of like, uh, uh, my feelings about Georgia Tech college football. So, uh, we lost again. It wasn't great. Um, I don't know. Andrew, do you have anything you want to add to that statement? I, I don't really... Uh, the defense wasn't very good. We turned the ball over a lot. Um, yeah, that's really it. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't think there was much to say. We, we're not taking a bowl invite. We're pretty much done for the season, which, you know, cool. Whatever. Yeah, we decided not to play in Miami, which was probably the right decision. Um, yeah, so I, I think... Uh, I mean, we signed some crutes, and then there's the stuff in the highlight in the in the uh, transfer portal, where obviously we're losing a couple of quarterbacks, and I guess our biggest receiver in Brown, right? That's might be. Yeah, um, I've heard his thing is that uh, there's some stuff back home in Tampa. I think he's having some family hardships or something. So, well, that makes sense. He's got to do what's best for him. But uh, yeah, Dave, we uh, we definitely knocked it out of the park with the transfer portal. I mean, we picked up some pretty good players out of the portal. I was in, so I'm kind of excited. I was really a big old defensive tackle, which we need a defensive tackle. So. Yeah, I saw the defensive ends and the defensive tackle really Im- impressed me in particular. I think we had one out of Alabama and one out of was it. Mississippi State? South Carolina. It was South Carolina. That's it. Yeah, the defensive lineman's uh, from South Carolina. We got an offensive lineman from Mississippi State. We got a defensive end from Old Dominion. So. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really liking what that's doing for our defense. We'll see how the rest of uh, everything else translates. But uh, for lack of a better term, um, <laughs> Georgia Tech is uh, done for the rest of the year to, I think, most people, most fans, relief uh, in one sense or another. Um, I did see, uh, speaking of bowl games, uh, before we get into the recap of last week, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but like, wait, they, somebody asked Dave Clawson, like what 
they're going to do if they get a bowl invite or are they going to go for it? And he's like, if we get invited to two bowls, we're playing both of them. And I'm just like, oh, man, Dave Clawson. You know what, Clawson, do it. <laughs> well, I am for it. I am all here for it. Like, yeah, you go for it, man. Uh, I don't know how they're going to fit that into their off time. But, yeah, I personally, I would watch both of those games because Wake Forest has been a fun team this year. Um, although I'm not sure how – I. That was one of the weird ones last week. How did they lose to Louisville? They they lost bad. Just didn't show up, I think. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so the rest of the games last week, uh, well, we kind of discussed it um, on the last show, but there wasn't anything too crazy planned to happen. The craziest one that nobody saw coming, I don't think, would probably be LSU at Florida. And I mean, who throws a shoe, honestly? honestly. <laughs> that was so surprising. Yeah, for those of you who missed it, LSU... Well, f- to be fair, Florida had a chance to match it, but LSU essentially got bailed out by one of the defensive players from Florida ripping off the receiver's shoe in a fourth down situation and chucking it and chucking LSU's receiver's shoe downfield. And that bailed them out and allowed LSU to kick a go-ahead field goal, which eventually led to them winning the game. Um, I I was still kind of just surprised that LSU was even in a position to win that game because they have not been very good this year. But I think I didn't pay attention to the entire game. Florida's defense did not look good. No. I mean, Kyle Trask. I think people do force three turnovers. Yeah, I mean, people are shitting on Kyle Trask. He still put up the ridiculous numbers. The turnovers obviously hurt, but I'm like, if you're in the situation, you've kind of got to you got to help your team out, and the defense just did not show up in that matchup. That is very true. So. Our dream of having a three-way tie in the SEC is no longer possible. <laughs> no. But a Florida win would make it really exciting. It would certainly make things interesting. I still think that the committee would find a way at this point to get in Ohio State, Bama, Notre Dame, and Clemson. I don't <laughs> see a potential for anybody else. Um, I, think, I think a Notre Dame win over Clemson. Why not Clemson out with two losses? And then obviously if, like, Northwestern beats Ohio State or Florida beats Alabama, then it gets real weird. I mean, I think based on how the committee's been acting all year, um, I think at this point, and I think this is also why if you look at the standings, even though Florida lost to an unranked LSU, they only dropped, like, one spot. Which is garbage. That is ridiculous. Cincinnati is getting absolutely shafted. Well, and I think this is the reason. It's because they want to have a justification to be like, well, if Bama loses to Florida, as long as it's close, they can be like, oh, well, it was a top yeah. seven or whatever team. And it's like, yeah, okay, sure. Wait, are you are you telling me that they purposefully set up the rankings in case the stories? <gasps> How dare you? Um, I believe the terminology they were using on the radio down here is that uh, the draw of college football is the controversy. And I'm like, I'm not disagreeing, but it's bullshit. <laughs> so I guess that's uh, that's a thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this kind of 
I don't expect Florida to beat Alabama anyway, but if it does happen... Neither do I. If it does happen, I mean, I don't know who would... What what is your theoretical situation? Since we're just pissing around, what is your theoretical situation? um, Well, I think it, again, like a a one-loss Alabama probably still gets in, and I think that, again, it depends on... If I think a two-loss Clemson is probably the arguably most out, or I guess an Ohio State loss to Northwestern, I mean, those would op- that would open the door for a Texas A&M. That would open the door for a you know. Um, so I think okay. So I'm just throwing at this out there. Even in your theoretical scenario, where Notre Dame beats Clemson, Ohio State loses to Northwestern, and Alabama loses to Florida. So if Ohio State loses, they're just out because they just lost all yeah, possible well, defense. Yeah, they're only they're five and out. They've only got five wins. They so, lose to a number fourteen ranked. They're just yeah, they're just out. Um, Clemson, I think, is out at that point. Yeah. Um, Alabama becomes the question because I think you can justify if it's close, they're still going to be in. Now, if it's a blowout, which I really don't see happening. Then, um, then we've got some more question marks. But yeah, I think based on what I've seen this year from this committee, if Ohio State and Clemson drop, um, then Texas A&M is going to move in. Obviously, Ohio Iowa State is the big question mark because they have to beat Oklahoma. They have to beat Oklahoma, and if they do, then they're in. Obviously, then you've got the field, which is essentially two SEC teams and in this scenario Florida would have won the SEC championship which I think jumps them up and then you would have Cincinnati and then you would have Oklahoma who is the other question mark because they might beat Iowa State so again I think it depends on how close that Bama win is but you're looking at a possible scenario where Texas A&M jumps their way in um, and then either Iowa State and Oklahoma somehow sneak their way in, or Florida gets in. Because if I'm being completely honest, from what I've seen this year, no matter what happens, I think the committee is going to shaft Cincinnati. So I just don't think they're going to make it in, no matter how crazy things get. I just don't see it happening. But uh, So yeah, I think in the worst case quote-unquote worst case for the top four, it would probably be Texas A&M and Iowa State or Oklahoma sneaking in. Yeah. So, I, uh, well, again, I, I, think, I think a Florida win over Alabama gives them a lot of oomph, but again, they lost to A&M, so that's where you can get really weird. Well, again, I think at that point it becomes a direct comparison. It's like they did beat Alabama – so, again, it comes back to how close was the game. Because if it's like with LSU where Alabama, Alabama made a bad de- – like an Alabama player made a bad decision and then Florida won by a field goal at the end of the game um, on a penalty, essentially, then you've got an argument that, like, well, nine out of ten times, Bama wouldn't have lost that. That was just a weird circumstance. Um, but if Florida comes out and beats them by like forty, then it's kind of like, Ugh, uh, okay, now we got to now we got to actually think about it. Um, I just don't. Again, I just don't see that happening. But who knows? Maybe, 
maybe Florida will be super pissed off by their performance last week and will just come in and destroy Alabama. Uh, I do think it also simplifies that performance by Florida last week also simplifies the Heisman race because now you're essentially um, BYU got knocked out from their game against Coastal Carolina. Now Kyle Trask put up some good numbers, but I still think because of that performance got knocked out. So now you're basically looking at um, either the quarterback or the running back from Alabama. Or Devontae Smith. Or, yeah, I guess that's true. Or Ian, is it Ian Book from North Notre Dame? Notre, Notre Dame. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess you could already make the argument for, obviously, uh, Clemson's quarterback, but yeah. uh, missing a couple of games probably doesn't do him any favors. I don't think it matters. You you think Ian Book's going to win? Well, yeah, if Notre Dame beats Clemson, I absolutely think Ian Book's going to win. Wait, are they giving it? Aren't they giving it out this year, like after the playoffs for the first time? Uh, I have to look at it. Uh, if, if Notre Dame wins a national title, Ian Book is absolutely winning the Heisman. Yeah, again, I don't want this to turn into like, well, it's just actually the championship MVP award because that's not what it's supposed to be, but. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, back to last week, I think the other games to talk about, North Carolina, I don't, do they play anybody else? If not, they put a good end to their good cherry on top. they're done for the season to go to, and they'll go to a bowl game. So they put a nice cherry on top, whooping up on Miami. That game was totally unwatchable. Um, Man, talk, about, talk about a season of missed chances. I mean, the Florida State and the Virginia game, Man, if that defense just stops a little bit more in the first half, they win both of those, and we're talking about a one-loss North Carolina. Uh, other teams, yeah, Coastal Carolina, that was a surprising. Coastal Carolina had to come back at the very end, but they're still undefeated, so good for them taking on Troy. And uh, USC at UCLA, uh, that one was... Interesting. I went by interesting. I mean, more like a chaotic mess. But you know, they USC managed to win, which I guess sets them up to be in a good spot to win the Pac-12 championship. Not that it'll mean uh, too much in the long run, I don't think. And uh, no, uh, I mean they get into a weird place where they're they're six and zero and undefeated, but I don't know if they really beat anybody. And uh, you know, I mean, what would you argue their best win is? Um, a two and two Utah. Yeah, that's the that's you know, where you I mean, get into the they, problem. They beat a, a one and two Arizona State, an zero and five Arizona, a one and two Washington State, a three and three actually the three and three UCLA. You know, and, and they beat a three and three Oregon. Like, I think this is an interesting case of pole inertia, and I think that's because. Even though, you know, like Ohio State's also 5-0, and but because Ohio State started higher in the polls and hasn't lost, they were never going to fall. Whereas yeah. USC started lower in the polls and had to climb. If USC had started 5th, 6th uh, in the preseason polls, then I think you would see USC in the place for a playoff berth right now. I think, I think the Big Ten also just garners more respect than the Pac-12 at this point in time. So I think it they weren't going to get that kind of up in the polls that Ohio State was going to get. Yeah, uh, I mean, Ohio State's best win is their win over Indiana. 
weirdly enough. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at it, you know, Rutgers went three and five, Penn State went three and five, Maryland went three and two, two and three. With they a, fired their coach, two yeah. and five. <laughs> which, uh, I was gonna talk about Maryland just lost to Rutgers, which good on Rutgers, three wins. That's a good No, right? Three and five, man. That's that's some steps in the right direction for that program. Um, but yeah, uh, the other games Army beat Navy fifteen to nothing in a game that nobody saw, not because of the T V coverage, because there was so much damn fog on the field that you, uh, it was bad. You could not watch anything, which I think it was actually interfering with the players because they, they were really struggling to make the correct calls. It was a very defensive-oriented game. But, yeah, that actually was the most-watched game of the weekend um, so, um, on the uh, network television, so I was, pretty, I was pretty happy to hear that despite all the other games this weekend that Army-Navy still drew in the viewers, so that's a good thing. Yeah, oh, and um, to answer our conundrum from last week about the CNC, um, Army Air Force is this weekend, so that that solves that. Yeah, then, and they're playing at uh, the new Rangers Stadium. Um, oh, are they really in Texas? That's, that's cool. at least that's what the article I read saw, so yeah, that'll be interesting. And then the only other one I want to talk about real fast, just because we started keeping an eye on them, San Jose State, still undefeated, and they get to play... Uh, the boys in blue uh, this weekend for the championship game. Like, what? <laughs> San Jose State coming out of the woodwork. Yay, yay. Let's go Spartans. I don't I don't know how good this uh, Boise State team is, so I don't know what their chances are. I'm sure I can look at the numbers that they're being given, not that it matters much because both these so teams... Apparently they were supposed to play earlier this year and it was canceled. Oh, uh, yeah, well, and that explains because they both only played like six games, so there isn't a whole lot of info on either team. But right now, Boise State's only favored by six and a half, so at a neutral site. So this could be interesting. We'll have to see how that plays out. Um, made a huge win for San Jose State. Like, I, have they ever won a conference? I, I, you know what? We are going to the Google. <laughs> like I don't, I'm sure they've got a longer Brett Brett Brennan's fourth season at San Jose State. Um, their last conference championship was in 1991 when they were co-champions of the Big West Conference. Oh, really? Interesting. So they actually do. Yeah, I was about to say. I feel like they have a longer history than I realize, but. Since they joined the Mountain West, they have been the uh, garbage team. Um, they kind of get whipped up on by everybody else. So. You know, credit to, to Brett Brennan. He went 2-10 his first year, 1-11 his second year, 5-7 and seven last year, and he's 6-0 and oh this year. So you know what? Good on him. He's yeah. the Mountain West Coach of the Year this year, too. Well, and he deserves it. He's had some close games, but he's gotten them to what they need to be. And obviously, it's a weird year, but you know, he he coached them hey, through man, everything. You, you can only you can only coach and win the games you play. Exactly. <laughs> there is Rutgers has one last game to see if they can get a better winning percentage than, uh, or not a better winning percentage, but a better a higher number of wins than Georgia Tech if they can beat Nebraska. <laughs> I mean, they might beat Nebraska. Nebraska's not very good. So. Um, 
Uh, well, Nebraska is currently favored by six and a half points. What? I know that's I I saw that and I was very confused. But anyway, that's uh, that's for this week, which we'll discuss in a second. So um, now we've covered last week. Andrew, I know you've been doing a lot of looks into the coaching carousel. We've kind of been covering it back and forth a lot uh, the past few weeks. Do you want to kind of go into any of your highlights or observations this week? I know you shared – I don't know how much you want to get into it, but I definitely know you shared a art, an interesting article about um, the uh, Auburn – the situation at Auburn. Yeah, let's go with that. I'm trying to be um, trying to be polite. <laughs> so I want our listeners to just absolutely take this with a grain of salt. Um, I don't I don't know how like justified any of this is, but allegedly, um, so there's so Auburn. There were leaked discussions that Auburn was going to hire their current defensive coordinator Kevin Steele to be the head coach, having gotten rid of Gus Malzahn, which that just seems weird to me. You know, you fired the head coach and you want to hire the DC. That's kind of weird. Um, but allegedly, this was a three-year plan to undermine Gus Malzahn and hire Kevin Steele. And the man they say that's behind it is an Auburn former trustee named Bobby Louder. Bobby Louder is famous because he's the guy that flew to Louisville and interviewed Bobby Petrino while Tommy Tuberville was still the head coach at Auburn. And, allegedly, this wasn't the first time he's, he did that to Tuberville. So, if this just shows you how weird Auburn is, that kind of answers your question. Well, and apparently, I mean, I don't want to go into all the nitty-gritty details, but apparently this guy has been around for a very long time, long enough for them to quote-unquote punish him by making him not an ex-trustee whatever that means and yet he still has the money or the power i guess to have a have this kind of influence on who auburn's next pick is going to be and i can only imagine the number of players that are he's influenced not just the coaches it's kind of crazy it's crazy to think about that um in a way, this is the weird problem with college football where it's like the boosters just have too much power. Um, there's not much you can do about that, but when you see like a, guy, a situation like this where one guy is essentially running a whole background conspiracy to get the old coach out, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, it, it feels like the fans at Auburn have been waiting for an opportunity to get must malzahn out despite his performance he's done a lot of good things for the program but they've been trying to get him out for a while uh would you agree with that statement andrew i don't yeah i mean again auburn's just because auburn's so weird and like you never know if you're gonna get good auburn or bad auburn in a given year uh the other problem with auburn is because they share a state with alabama they're always just going to be weird i mean that's just yeah I, I think there's your real problem. Like, I think I think there's a lot of parallels between the Auburn and the South Carolina job. Um, I think the Auburn job's a better job for a couple of reasons, but I think that there's a lot of, especially as Dabo Sweeney's built Clemson into what they are, I think that there's a lot of uh, South Carolina kind of dealing with some of the same issues as Auburn of, well, we've got this just juggernaut in-state, what well, we do. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think it's hard for people to realize, especially in other conferences, like if you're an LSU fan or a Texas A&M fan where you're like, fuck, we got to play these guys every year. Yeah, but at least you don't have to share a state and recruiting out of that state with with that with that team. You've kind of got some space between you and them. Auburn's got to deal with this shit in and out uh, every day of the year. So it, it is kind of crazy. I But going back to the core of the story, I'm just shocked at the influence this one individual has over the entirety of the program, and he's not even on payroll. It's it's crazy. It's crazy, but I guess that's just... Yeah, I mean, boosters, you know, you, you almost kind of hope you have the T. Boone Pickens-style booster at Oklahoma State where he just kind of gives a ton of money, but at least not publicly doesn't really... Um, do much in terms of the athletic department. Yeah, well, and I mean, if I'm being honest, I feel like that's how it should be, but boosters are like the, uh, what's it, what's it, the couching, the couching quarterbacks where it's like they feel like the play, the team should be run a certain way, but at the same time, they've got enough money where, they, you know, if they say the team should be run a certain way, the program has an obligation to step in and be like, well, I guess we should do something about that. I don't know. Uh, so that whole situation is nuts. So is there? So what do you think actually happens with this situation now at Auburn? Is there? I don't. I don't know. They're in a weird place because they have to make a big time hire. I think. I think Auburn. You know, we saw. We saw the whole Gene Chiswick fiasco, which crazy. They won him a national title, but. I mean, I remember seeing, like, the camera phone videos of Auburn fans at the airport when, like, the private plane landed, like, booing Gene Jizik <laughs> as he got off the plane. Um, but, I, you know, the thing is, I don't know who you hire that's going to that's gonna do it. I mean, I, I know who I think they want, and I think that's Hugh Freeze. Um, hmm. I think that's absolutely who they want, and I think that... I mean, that's, you know, from what Freeze was able to do at Ole Miss and how successful he's been at Liberty, uh, you know, I mean, he's a name that was floated for the South Carolina job. I think he's absolutely a name talked about here in the Auburn job. Um, there, There's rumblings about Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee, where if Pruitt gets fired at Tennessee, then he's obviously going to be a name back for the Tennessee I, job. I don't see why they would want him after his performance at Tennessee, but okay, sure, yeah. Who, Pruitt? Yeah. Or Hugh Freeze? Oh, no. Pruitt, yeah. Pruitt. Yeah, I, that's a weird one. You know, that's the problem when you have these SEC, especially at a school like Tennessee, that, I mean, you look statistically, Tennessee's one of the, the 10 most, you know, 15 most successful programs in college football history. Yeah, you know, but... <laughs> They're in this bottomed out, much like Tech. Oh, they they bottomed out way more than Texas has. Yeah, I guess that's. Uh, I mean, they're 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 not quite Nebraska level bottoming out, but I, the key difference is Texas has kind of maintained their respectability at least. I mean, they're not what they were, but they're still um, beating every team except Oklahoma on a consistent, on a decently consistent basis. Um, yeah, Tennessee is just like, what happened, guys? I don't even know. They they ran Philip Fulmer out of town. Uh, 
Um, I think they ran him out on the back of like a nine-win season. Um, I, I think Fulmer. Yeah, I don't. I still don't fully understand those circumstances. I think Fulmer was into some fucking voodoo, man. Cause like, oh, he went five and seven. That's the problem. Is he went five and seven, and they canned him, coming off a ten and four season where he tied for the Eastern title. Um, I think his biggest problem is he was so good for a while, and then he had he had a five and six year in two thousand and five, and then a five and seven year in two thousand and eight, which has only two losing spins at Tennessee. He went 152 and 52 at Tennessee and got fired. I I think, um, and they've just never been able to fix it. Well, I think if you ask any Alabama fans, Fulmer's got like some voodoo about him because there's a lot of rumblings about how if you talk to a Bama fan, and I mean it's not like it's untrue, but about how he personally like brought the lawsuit allegations against Alabama about them like screwing up the recruiting, and they were. Uh, yeah, no, no, yeah. He, he was like, I think he's the guy that turned state's evidence in the Albert Means case. Exactly, yeah. So they, so in Alabama, they have some serious issues with Philip Fulmer. But I think it's also just like, he's got some kind of magic against him where it's like, if you go against Fulmer, he will find a way to fuck you over. Well, it's crazy because he's the athletic director now in Tennessee. <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't even know. Yeah, so he's cursing no. himself. It's crazy. <laughs> He's working against his own black magic voodoo. Maybe that's the problem. No, I mean, I think, like I said, Tennessee is just a crazy place to look at. You know, so Kiffin was there for a year. Derek Dooley was terrible. You know, you look at Butch Jones's numbers, and while, you know, he went 9-4 and four twice, but you can't really do that in Tennessee because, again, Tennessee's who they are. Well, and I think the big problem is Tennessee has... For, for lack of a better term, Tennessee has some of the worst, I'm saying worst rivalries, most difficult rivalries to kind of play on a consistent basis, especially over the past few decades. Because you have to play Alabama every year, you have to play Georgia every year, you have to play Florida every year, and those are the also the big teams that you're recruiting against inside of your conference it makes it much more difficult when you're losing on a regular basis to those teams, even if it is, like you said, you're beating everybody else, but you're losing to the teams that are you know, going to upseat you. It does make it much more difficult. But I just didn't – I don't know what caused them to shift as drastically as they did. I don't know. I would have to go back and actually look at the history, which is a whole other podcast to be like – Yeah, I mean, Tennessee's just a – just a weird, weird place. Oh, mm. uh, yeah. So that I, I'm also interested to see what they're gonna do. Yeah, back to the Auburn though. Kind of at your point, freeze, freeze wouldn't be bad. But uh, my thing is when you'd make, and we've talked about this before, when you make a decision like this to fire a coach who is traditionally been you know not amazing but has been pretty consistent over the years and try to replace him you need especially at a big program like this you need to have a big name guy otherwise the new guy is just going to get kicked out again in two years anyway so well and you you never want to be the guy that follows the legend yeah that's true yeah Um, you know you you don't who is i mean you know i mean it 
you argue, you could argue it took Alabama until Nick Saban to get over Bear Bryant. Like, none of the guys they hired between Bryant and Saban. I mean, was it Gene Stallings won a national title? Well, and even Saban was very shaky the first few years. He had yeah. that really ugly loss to uh, Utah in... I, I don't. I think it was the Sugar Bowl. I might even be misremembering that. I think, I think he lost to UL Monroe one time too. Yeah, and fans were pissed. But yeah, I mean, it's just kind of part of the thing. Um, but yeah, you can't. I wouldn't know that. I wouldn't say necessarily that Malzahn is a legend, but he's got enough story behind him where it's kind of like, who are you going to bring in with the same background that people are going to look at him and they're going to be like, okay, we'll, we'll give this guy a shot. I just don't think anybody has the same kind of history necessary to kind of justify their hiring. In um, but yeah, I, I I don't know. It's a it's a tough set of circumstances. Maybe Auburn will be up to it. Uh, maybe they'll become a Tennessee in the near future. Who knows? Uh, yeah. So who what, what else are we looking at as far as the coaching uh, coach? Vanderbilt hired. Notre Dame defensive coordinator Clark Lee, which was he was kind of the clubhouse favorite the moment they fired Derek Mason. Lee played at Vanderbilt. He's from Nashville. He played at Montgomery Bell Academy in high school. Uh, yeah, he, he's he's kind of who everyone expected as soon as the Vandy job opened to be the hire. I I mean he's got a good defense at Notre Dame, but Vanderbilt's a tough place to win. Allegedly, the athletic director and the um, chancellor. At Vanderbilt, have talked about they want to invest more money in athletics. They they want to get more competitive. You know, da 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 da. So it'll be interesting to see if they're able to do that. And you know, it's just Vandy's in a tough spot being in the SEC. Yeah, I mean, same kind of problem. You know, you, it's not. It's not that the program is bad; it's that you got to play against these other guys every year, and those those are some tough other opponents. Oh yeah, um, yeah. There are rumors around the Illinois job that Jeff Munkin may get a shot at the Illinois job. Ooh, that would be interesting. Yeah, he's. I mean, it kind of makes sense. He's an Illinois guy. Like he comes from a high school coaching family in Illinois, so he's got deep ties to the state and would be a guy that would kind of make sense up there, over there. But, again, it, you always have the fight and the argument about the offense, so you never know, which I'm pretty certain uh, he, much like Kenny Niamatololo, when he talked about the Arizona and the BYU jobs, have kind of said, you know, we're not married to this offensive system. It's just what we run at the academies because we, it's, it's, we, it's the one we know we can run to win. So, yeah. Uh, Dave Clawson apparently has been linked. Lance Leopold at Buffalo. Uh, good old Burt Bielema is apparently a name uh, who has a shot. <laughs> Which, you know, Bielema, everyone looks at how bad he was at Arkansas, but, you know, he went 68-24 at Wisconsin. So he, he's kind of a guy that's had some success in the Midwest and in the Big Ten. So... Yeah, I mean, I I would be interested to see that. I think there's that's kind of the nice thing about the location and their situation comparative to the other teams we've been talking about so far. A lot of 
history out there for a lot of people who've been in the area. And at the same time, not a huge amount of expectations because they they haven't been great for a very long time. Um, so yeah. so yeah, we'll see we'll see what happens. I I would be interested to see because I feel like Illinois is a program that could be built up pretty well. Uh, I I think they could be okay. You know, I I don't know again if you're ever going to get them to an Ohio State level, but I think you could definitely get them to a Northwestern level. We yeah. win seven eight games a year. Every now and again, have a, a really really good season. Well, in the West, I feel like you could have a bunch of potential contenders. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. think they're going to be a historyed program, but you know they could be on the same level, like you said, of a Northwestern, of a Minnesota, programs like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, I think your biggest competition year in and year out in the West is going to be Wisconsin and Iowa. Yeah, even even those programs are not necessarily like. No, they're not Ohio State. They're not. What's the term? They're not. Uh, I was gonna say franchises, but that's not the right term. I mean, they're, they're not they're, dynasties. They're not, they're not, yeah, they're not. I mean, yeah, they're not. I mean, they're really good programs. I mean, what Kurt Ferentz has done at Iowa, especially and and for that matter. But yeah, they're not. They're not the juggernauts. Like an Ohio State, or even a, a Michigan, if they were to get rolling, or a Penn State, for that matter. <laughs> Michigan, if they were to get rolling, yeah. Good, you know, good, good if. The funny, I, I keep seeing these funny things that talk about how, you know, Harbaugh did bad at Michigan, but his name's been thrown around for like four different NFL jobs. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Um, Which, I mean, to be fair, you know, Cliff Kingsbury got fired at Texas Tech and was hired by the Cardinals, so. I mean, and Cliff Kingsbury, to be fair, was not great at Texas Tech. I mean... No, he got fired. Like, they fired him. (laughs) Well, I mean, even if they fired him... We're talking about programs where, you know, like Gus Malzahn just got fired and he had a pretty decent record. Yeah, but Texas Tech Tech, did not fire a guy for Malzahn's record. I'm just just stating it for the people. Um, But yeah, you know, he, he... like was not over 500 if that makes any sense he was like not good so yeah i mean i could see it some coaches just succeed at different levels um but i i don't know i i want to i'm more interested to see how his contract plays out if what we've talked about might happen where they just extend him for the sake of increasing his potential buyout from (laughs) how does a buyout situation work from an nfl team like if an NFT, I, I don't. I don't even know. Um, I do know that the NFL has a rule about you. You cannot be hired by a team for a lateral move. So, like, if I'm the wide receivers coach of the Giants, the Packers couldn't come in and hire me as the wide receivers coach. They'd have to hire me as like the wide receivers coach and assistant head coach, which is where you can get some like really weird titles in the NFL that don't make any sense. Right. Like supervisor of yeah, or you, you have like seven, like half your staff are assistant head coaches. <laughs> yeah, uh, again, I'm just adding this in for those for those unfamiliar who are listening. Like most contracts nowadays come with a buyout. Even the one at Coastal Carolina is another great example, where if if another team comes along and signs you while you're still coaching at that program the team will have to pay your current program a large sum of money to compensate for the fact that you're stealing their coach. So, like, if 
for some reason, I'm just using these as purely as examples. If for some reason next year Tennessee comes along and they're like, we're going to buy out um, Coastal Carolina's head coach, then they have to all they don't just have to give Coastal Carolina's head coach a contract. They also have to pay to end his contract with Coastal Carolina, and that gives Coastal Carolina a bunch of extra money. What we don't know is does an NFL team have the same obligations? And I, I would have to look that up. I actually, I've, I don't. I think, re- I think, I think buyouts are buyouts, but I'm not sure if NFL coaches have buyouts because you know you're not under the same. You have bend NFL head coaches like you are in college to deal with recruiting. Right. Yeah, you don't have the same. Well, you have different levels of obligations. Let's say. Yeah, it's not the yeah. same thing. Um. Hmm. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I would be curious now that he's been in Michigan for so long. Do you think like what what the the Lions are going to pick him up and he would have so he'd go from being hated in one place in Michigan to hated in another? That would be. Fun. I mean, I, yeah. I guess if he took the Lions' job, but I don't know why you take the Lions' job. Uh, ask Nigel. Why? Why would anyone love the Lions? <laughs> I mean, it can't, it's not worse than the Jets' job. So. Oof, the Jets' job. I don't even want to think about that. Dude, uh, quick question: Did did they uh, did he blow the play on purpose? The Jets guy? I don't know. If, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Um, I just I do feel really bad for Trevor Lawrence because he's such a great player, and the Jets are such a dysfunctional organization. <laughs> is is there a way now at this point in time that he can fuck up his draft stock enough that he won't end up with the Jets? <laughs> I mean, I guess uh, um, I have a few thoughts, but I uh, I don't know if I'm gonna. I don't think I really want to mention him on the podcast. He, I mean, he could do like Eli Manning and basically say like, "I'm not gonna play for the Jets if you draft me. I'm not gonna play for you." Well, we so he, I I wanted to bring it up because uh, we talked about the rewatchables is a different podcast about rewatchable movies before we started. That was a great line they had covering that, where they apparently had the uh, draft combine in the Gladiator movie for the Gladiators. And they're like, oh, this Maximus guy, he's a five-tool player. He knows everything. And he's like, so why is he out there losing to Hagen? Well, there's some rumors that he's got a team that he's got his eye on. He's trying to drop his draft stock to make sure he goes to the right program. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't know if there's a way that... You can fuck up at this point in Trevor Lawrence's career. Uh, I mean, you could bomb interviews or, or try to do stuff, but... Yeah, just <laughs> pull a... Uh, God, what was his name? Pull a... Uh, the, the court, uh, John Elway threatened to go play baseball. That, that was what I was going to say. Pull a Elway and just be like, I just want to play somewhere warm. Also, I'm going to go play baseball. So, But then he goes to Denver. <laughs> Yeah, um, but anyway, so yeah. Um, well, we've gotten thoroughly off topic. Do you want to talk about the championship games this week? Uh, yeah, I'm excited for some of the lower-key ones. Like, I think the MAC title game between Ball State and Buffalo will be kind of fun because I really like Buffalo. And Coastal Carolina-Lafayette is a rematch of a game earlier in the year that I think will be a really cool, really fun game to watch. I really like Coastal. Uh, obviously, Army Air Force for the winner of the CNC. It'll be the first year that the Army Air Force game is played after the Army Navy game, so that'll be kind of cool. I'm interested. Looking, I'm looking at the line right now. Air Force by three. What? Yeah. 
I'm kind of shocked by that, but uh, see how it plays yeah. out. Uh, and then, like you said, the Mountain West one will be kind of fascinating. Um, I honestly don't think the SEC, the American Athletic, or the Big Ten title game going to be that close. I think the ACC game will be a really good, really fun, really close game. I don't really know what I think about the Big Ten because Iowa State has beaten Oklahoma already, but Oklahoma's just been on fire recently, so... Yeah, I mean, I think Iowa State's got a puncher's chance. That one will be yeah. interesting. Um, Northwestern, I'm kind of like, maybe, I, I hope. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like this that'll be one of those games where we'll get, like, a few minutes into the first quarter, Ohio State will get up by two and a half touchdowns, and I'll just be like, okay, well, this is not happening. Uh other games out there, I mean, there is uh, Ole Miss at LSU, which will be a crapshoot, I guess, just to see. Um, <laughs> I'm blanking on his name. No, the Ole Miss coach. Shit. Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin. Yeah, just to see how Lane Kiffin ends his season. Uh, yeah, other than that, I don't know. Most of these games are predicted to be blowouts, and I mean, I tend to agree with that assessment. Even yeah, uh, yeah. Even Arizona games got canceled. I'm yeah. I'm just kind of running through the list. Uh, Georgia Tech versus Miami. Oh no, that got canceled. I might actually Friday night. The game I might be watching, not the Pac-12 championship, which USC is favored by three over Oregon. Uh, for anyone who's curious. But, yeah, I might end up watching the Nebraska-Rutgers game. Oh, no, I won't because it's on the Big Ten Network. But <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll probably watch Ball State-Buffalo. Is that one? Okay, that one's on ESPN. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like Buffalo's going to run away with it. But... I actually think Nick Basketball plays on Friday night, so I might watch that train wreck, too. Uh, ACC Network Extra, whatever that is. Which means it's either on, like, Raycom or it's, like, on the actual ESPN app. But, uh, yeah, I mean, despite USC only being favored by three, I think uh, USC will probably kick Oregon to the curb uh, based on what I've seen this year out of Oregon. So. Yeah, and then you get a 6-0 USC and people start yelling about why 6-0 USC not in the playoff discussion, but 6-0 Ohio State is. Uh, because no one cares. Fuck you. All inertia. You start high, you're going to stay high. Oh. <laughs> I wanted to make a joke about uh, Choir Boys since you'd pulled that off, but that, that would be inappropriate. Uh, I, have been told, I have been called the songbird of our generation. Yeah. I I would believe it. I thought, that was, I thought it was Meatloaf, though, but, you know. And I think he's the songbird of the generation before us. Before us, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, other than that, I don't think there's much to add. I think uh, Texas A&M at Tennessee, if Texas A&M fucks up like Florida did, then that could really hurt them. But uh, other than that, I don't think there's any games with any impact other than the Air Force Army game, which yeah. I will be paying attention to. I mean, that one should be good, theoretically. Hopefully there will be less fog this time. Um... I'm also kind of surprised the Coastal's only getting three points over Louisiana, but it was a close game the first time, so I guess I'm not that surprised. Uh, 
Well, Andrew, do you have anything else to add? I don't, I don't really know what else um, to say on this yesterday day. Yesterday was, was early national signing day, which I'm really surprised they kept early signing day given, you know, COVID and all that. Yeah. But, I mean, it kind of went the way that you expected. I mean, in order, your rankings currently are Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, LSU, Clemson, Oregon, Oklahoma, Florida, Notre Dame, Miami, A&M, Michigan, USA, North Carolina at 14. Tennessee at 15. I think we came in in like 44. Uh, Maryland Maryland at 19 is an interesting one, which doesn't really surprise me because I I knew Mike Loxley was known as a really good receiver or recruiter. And so especially if he's able to tap into like the, the D.C. private school league that's got a lot of talent and can keep them at Maryland, uh, that'll really help them. Nebraska at 24, Pittsburgh at 23. You know, we're getting some interesting ones. But yeah, Georgia Tech was 46th, according to 24-7 sports. Right. So, I mean, I think a lot of that, though, is it's a small class for the Jackets. Plus, we may I think we made a lot more headway in the transfer portal, necessarily, than we did in well, and we did actually pick up a couple of very talented guys. Like you said, though, the class is just smaller comparatively. Yeah. Also, we've got streetwear. Woo. Oh, my God. Yeah, you seem thrilled. <laughs> uh, man, I got downvoted in the RCFB thread about it because I made the comment about, you know, maybe Jeff Collins should focus on that important part of his job that is winning football games. I don't disagree. But you know, but you know, honestly, man, if it gets the recruits, I can learn to accept it. Like I've always said, I may not like the guy, I may not like his used car salesman shtick, I may not like any of it. But you know what? If he wins games, I can suck it up. He's been a good recruiter. I mean, we'll see how that translates yeah. next year. Because I feel like if he's not successful next year, we're gonna have to start having discussions. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, he's on a seven-year contract, and we don't have any money. Yeah, therein lies the problem. I'm like, I don't know, again, who we would replace him with and if we can even afford to do any of that. So, you know, standard issues for Georgia Tech. Yep. Uh, Anything else before we sign off? Shout-outs, stuff stuff like that? No. No, just kind of, you know, everyone have a very happy holidays. Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, whatever other holidays you celebrate. I hope they're cool. Yeah. I want to shout out to Ghirardelli Chocolate because they make me fat. They are so good. Yeah. Uh, They got those little dark chocolatey caramel snowmen, and they are, like, incredibly unhealthy, but I can't stop eating them. Anyway, that's all I got. I hate when that happens. Oh, I do want to make some fresh eggnog this year. That'll be fun. Uh, I I just buy the Evan Williams at the liquor store. It's probably easier that way, but I started looking up the How We Drink uh, on YouTube, and they've got instructions on how to make like a bowl of eggnog with all the cream and stuff. And I'm like, ooh, gonna have to give that a shot. Yep. Alrighty. Uh, thanks to our listeners for tuning in. Uh, y'all have a good week, rest of your week, and uh, stay safe. Have a happy holidays. Uh, good night, everybody. <laughs>